Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Broadway Happy Hour, where there is no greater blend of wine and theater. I am your host, Kate Rockwell. Hi, everybody. Cheers to everyone who's here for the inaugural Broadway Wine Club event, Broadway Happy Hour. Cheers, everybody. Yes, I've already started drinking, in case you were wondering. Um, My name is Kate Rockwell. If you uh, recognize me at all, you probably know me from Broadway. Most recently, I had the pleasure of originating the role of Karen Smith in Mean Girls on Broadway, which opened in 2018. Um, And I have a a little bit of a resume previous to that. Actually, Mean Girls was my fifth show on Broadway. But a brief rundown of me. Um, I uh, made my debut in Legally Blonde. I joined the company of the revival of Hair in 2009. I originated my first role in Bring It On the Musical, playing Skylar. I had the wonderful opportunity to play Sherry in Rock of Ages. for quite a long time, a year and a half. And then I did this crazy thing where I um, intentionally stopped acting, which is a thing that uh, people would say I was crazy for, but I decided I needed a little bit of a break and I wanted to see what it was like out in the rest of the world. And by happenstance, I ended up working at a wine shop in the East Village um, called Discovery Wines. It's still there. Uh, If you're in the New York City area, I highly recommend you stop by. They have incredible wine. And I fell in love with what was supposed to be a side gig and turned into two years of my life. I worked there full time. I was an assistant manager of the shop for quite some time. Um, And while I was working there, I went to school uh, and got what we call a certification. It's sort of like a trade degree from a school called the WSETs, which is the Wine and Spirits Education Trust. Basically think of it as a master's degree in wine and spirits. And uh, that is how I ended up here today. Um, The short version of how that sort of wrapped up for me is that I decided I missed acting and a very sort of long and winding road led me to Mean Girls, which brought me back to Broadway in in 2018. And um, now everything is crazy. And here I am doing both things all at the same time, which is honestly the best case scenario for 2020, I think. I think I'm winning 2020. Um, So that is how I got here today. I'm so thrilled to be a part of the Broadway Wine Club. I have always thought that Broadway and wine paired so beautifully together. Both are um, inherent forms of art. Both are intended to be enjoyed with people in a communal setting. Um, and honestly, everybody on Broadway needs Broadway Wine Club uh, more than you can imagine. <laughs> so <laughs> we're all here today. We're thrilled to have you here with us. Um, a tiny little history. Broadway Wine Club was started by Arvin Ethan David, who is the lead producer of Jag a Little Pill, Broadway's hit and Tony-nominated musical. Um, and his friend and co-producer, Nathan Marcus Brown, who created Broadway Wine Club with him in response to the impact that COVID-19 had on both the Broadway and the wine communities. They saw this as an opportunity to bring together their two favorite worlds and possibly, hopefully, benefit both of them. Um, 
Um, I want you all to know that for every membership purchased to Broadway Wine Club, $10 of that membership goes towards the Actors Fund, which is the leading charity for the arts community and those in the arts community as an extension of that. Um, and then a membership to Broadway Wine Club will give you access to boutique wines from some of the best winemaking regions all over the United States and also gets you access to exclusive live events. Um, right now, currently live Zoom events, which is our best version of live event today, um, with Broadway people, just like the one you are in now, our, our very first little tasting. So I'm so excited to welcome you all here. Before we get into our very first special guest, I would like to mention that as we go tonight, if you guys love these wines, I have really good news for you. Um, you can get more of them. If you go to the link that we're going to put in the chat and you use my exclusive code, it's Kate, K-A-T-E-V-I-P. So Kate V-I-P is the code. Um, you can get 10% off all three of the bottles that we are drinking tonight. If you go to that link, put that code in there. Again, you're going to get really tired of me saying that. So don't worry if you missed it. It's going to come back. But before we get into wine tasting, again, I'm hoping everyone is already drinking. Um, I would like to uh, introduce our first special guest, Mr. Daniel J. Watts. He is a Broadway veteran of the highest caliber. Daniel has been in eight Broadway shows, including Hamilton, Ghost, Motown, and more. And he's currently nominated for a Tony Award in the 2020 season for his work playing Ike Turner in Tina, um, which I have not gotten to see yet because it was on my list for the shows that I was supposed to see after I left Mean Girls and then um, you guys decided to stop performing. So, cause I know it was totally up to you. Um, so I can't wait. I, I have a long, uh, I've worked with Adrian for years developing, bring it on with her. And I cannot wait to see her star turn and to see yours as well. Um, his many on-screen credits include roles in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Boardwalk Empire, Smash, The Good Wife. He's currently working on The Last OG with Tracy Morgan on TBS. His one-man show, The Jam, Only Child, premiered at the Public Theater at the beginning of this year. And over the course of quarantine, we have seen several new iterations of it on his Instagram. If you have not seen that, you should definitely be following on Instagram. He has been a very prominent voice in the ongoing discussions of racial equity in the Broadway and entertainment communities. He is a true Broadway star on and off stage, and we are so, so lucky to have him here tonight. Daniel, welcome to Broadway Wine Club. Hi. Hey, what's going on? That was great. Um, Daniel, where are you now? Where are you uh, drinking from? I am drinking from Harlem. I'm uptown, Upper Manhattan, as they say. Uh, upper uh, Manhattan, as they say. Uh, as they say, Upper Upper Manhattan. <laughs> He's torturing me because I I said earlier that I was coming from Upper Manhattan, like the boozy broad I am, and instead of just saying Washington Heights, which is where I live. Talk to me a little bit about how you have been spending your last uh, nine months now. Can you believe it? Your nine months of of quarantine time. Have you been in New York the whole time? Sounds crazy. I was, I've been here the whole time except for a six week stint. I went home for three weeks to North Carolina where I'm from. Hey, Mindy, this is crazy. Mindy, I know who Mindy is. Me and Mindy <gasps> were in student council together. I, we oh hit each other gosh. over the privates. So we're <laughs> we've been talking. That's nuts. Like, um, See, that's Broadway and Wine bringing people together. That's amazing. Right I off the bat. We've been here, what, you? 10 minutes? That's so cool. Hey! Crazy. I'm screaming in the mic. Sorry. I'm very excited. That's Mindy. Hey, Mindy. Everybody say hey to Mindy. Oh. Hi, Mindy. Mindy. What is it? You said Marlo? That's your last name? Yes. Thanks. For, this is incredible. I've not seen her in 20 years. 
That's so cool. I love that so much. So you That's went what, home, for, you went to North Carolina for six weeks. I, I immediately just went into rest mode. I, I shut down, I got off all the socials. I, I was paying attention to the news enough to know that I didn't need to go outside and, <laughs> and wash my hands and you know sanitize everything. Mm -hmm. And then around, and I was fine with that until around April or May, and then Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd happened. And then I felt my silence pulling me out of my silence. And I was like, okay, I need to do something. And then I started like revamping the jam, which is my one man show mm -hmm. that I guess we have to talk about. Um, not have to, but yeah, uh, no, the jam, long story short, my grandmother used to, my great grandmother used to make jam from scratch. You can't make it a jar at a time. You have to make it in bulk. She would make a jar and give it the rest away. So then I would make things like little written spoken word pieces of raps. And then I decided to share them like my great grandmother. So I had a slew of material all about this very subject, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, uh, George Floyd. And I just kind of started revamping it for my living room and doing jams with me and my cell phone and turning my apartment into basically a set. Um, and I did three different versions, uh, one called uh, No More Silences, another one called The Next Time Is Now, after James Baldwin's The Fire Next Time. And then I did one called Love Terrorist, to kind of like breathe <laughs> after that. Um, and then, and then I went home. That was when I went home. Um, Got it. And then came back and started painting with my feet. I've been a weirdo in this time. If I'm just going to be, <laughs> as I'm saying it. <laughs> I'm going to need you to cycle back to the painting with your feet. I'm in LA and I'm feeling myself after, you know, doing the jam, which is very written, written based. I was like, I need something else artistic. Like, I don't feel like writing right now. And I know I need some kind of outlet and I don't know what it is. This is while I'm in LA. And then I get to Portland and a mutual friend of the guy I was staying with was an artist and he found out that we were there. He happened to be in Portland and he was like, Hey, you guys are up here. I'm going to come hang out with y'all. So he got tested and come, came and hung out while he was there. I was like, Hey, I had this idea. I think I might want to start painting. And I was thinking like, maybe I will like infuse it with tap dance. Like, I don't know. It's like this idea I have, but I don't know. And he was like, okay, cool. Let me know. The next day he comes back with two big old pieces of roll canvas. And I was like, I was like, well, here's the thing. I don't have my tap shoes because the day I got to Portland, my suitcase was missing. Perfect. Didn't show up. All my stuff, tap shoes in my suitcase, everything's gone. I don't have anything. So like I get to Portland and I feel like I was pissed for an hour and then I realized the universe had something going on. And I was like, oh, it's one of these kind of, okay, all right, you're gonna, I'm gonna learn something while I'm here in Portland. Got it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, hey, sorry, I don't have my tap shoes. Can't, can't really get down. He was like, well, what size shoe do you wear? I said, 10. Now he was in Portland because he was doing a promo thing with Vans. He had three pairs of Vans sneakers, size 10, in his bag that he had painted. He was like, here you go. Oh. <laughs> here you go. You weren't kidding like, about the universe though. <laughs> so I kind of hemmed and hawed for like two days. We went out into the woods um, and had an, uh, an, an herbal libation. Um, sure. in, in, the, in the woods and in, in the greens and the trees started talking to me and the trees were like, Daniel, calm down. <laughs> You're okay. <laughs> Everything's fine. So tell me about you and your relationship with this beverage that we have in our glass right now. Not this specific oh one, just in general. And it wasn't until, honestly, until I moved to New York. And I think the things I don't really remember 
how I got into wine. Next thing I knew, I was like, I have a, <laughs> you know. I think that's a- what it does. It just gets in there kind of under the, you don't notice it coming. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I don't want anything else. This is all I want. <laughs> and, you, and somehow you become a connoisseur, but only of the wine that you drink is this is yes. the one that you're like, you know, do you have, how's your Chianti? Do you have a Chianti? And you know, have, hey, you have one good Chianti and then you think you're an expert. Honestly, that's how it started for me too, is I we went, my husband and I went to a winery for fun, just as like, uh, oh, it's nice out and we can drink during the day. That sounds great. And that's truly how I fell in love with it because it got, I was like, oh, well now I know everything about Merlot. <laughs> it was Long Island Merlot, which is its, its own conversation. That sounds. Spent two and a half hours talking about Long Island Merlot. But um, then I became an expert on Long Island Merlot. And then I started working at the wine shop and I learned I didn't know Jack about literally anything else. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing a- I've had is Long Island Merlot. Cool, cool, cool. Say- that's, that's the same as being an expert. That is hilarious. Our first question for Daniel is from Mindy. Uh, Mindy Marlowe, if you would like to pop up and ask him your question, we would love to hear from you. What's up, Mindy? Okay, my question is, um, obviously you have traveled all over the world now since I saw you like 20 plus years ago, um, but what do you miss most about North Carolina? Oh man, I miss my mama, honestly, like, you know, my mama, I mean, I'm, I'm literally going home in three days, like I'm going out because I just got to be with my mama. Um, I do. I miss, I miss the pace, honestly. That's the other thing. Like, as much as I, I needed the speed of New York City when I was in North Carolina, I was like, oh, this is too slow. I need, I need more. Got here. Now I'm like, okay, got it. <laughs> got it. Yeah, the pace and my mama. And student council. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you for asking. Thank you for being here. So good to see you. That's crazy. Um, our next one is John. I hope I say this right. I'm going to, I, uh, to everyone whose names I say tonight, I apologize ahead of time. Um, John Meehan, who has a question for you about Hamilton. Hey. Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, obviously a huge Hamilton fan. Everybody I think is right now. Cause it's been so exciting to watch. Um, uh, what, what was that like to be such of an incredible groundbreaking performance like that? Wow, it's, I'm gonna be 100% honest with you. Um, being in Hamilton at times felt a lot like being working at Disney World. And this is what I mean by that, is that I'm at work, everyone else is coming, you know, I'm at work, everyone's coming, having a great time, riding rides, you know, but I'm at work. Now, the other thing about it is that Prince shows up, you know, a, you know, a, a month before he passes away and throws us a party. Like, it's that kind of stuff. Like, till he's like, we get emails, hey, you know, we're backstage and it's like, yo, did you get this email? Yeah, is it real? Yeah, and then we go over to this club and Prince turns off all the lights. He's like, turn off all the lights. <laughs> really turn off all the lights. And then Prince DJed all of his hits <laughs> for three hours until the wee hours in the morning. That's, it's that kind of thing. You know, it's this, oh. it's this weird, and that doesn't happen. That's not a normal theatrical Broadway experience thing. It just that's crazy. happen. It's crazy, you know, but it was, you know, but Hamilton, you know, it's three hours. It's, it's, it's fun, but it's just three hours of picking people up and holding chairs and moving in slow motion and, you know, <laughs> but, but it's all, you know, it was an incredible experience to be a part of theatrical history in that way. You know, like you can't take that away from Hamilton, like the way it brought people from different, you know, young and old and the more educated and the less educated, you know, it it brought people together in a way to enjoy theater in a way that we haven't done in, you know, I would say in quite 
quite a while, if ever. So. Very good. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, John. Thanks for being here. Thanks for your question. Um, so now everybody, just because I'm so concerned about Anthony, I want to make sure that he feels like he's in good company. Um, I think we should start drinking. So, Absolutely. Um, start. I know. Start. St officially start, right? Yeah. Quote, there was a lot of air quotes. Um, so you guys, we're going to start for our very first tasting of the evening. We're going to start with our white wine, our 2019 Meadow Croft Chardonnay, which I do have to display to our, to our viewers, this beautiful bottle, although all of you have it. So you don't need to see it from me. Um, don't worry. I definitely poured a glass for my, of this for my husband before we started this tasting, because I think this wine is drinking so beautifully. Um, a little bit of background about this winery founded in 2000 by Tom Meadowcroft. Yes. Name and, uh, winemaker name and winery name are the same in this kind of one opportunity that doesn't happen very often. I don't think anymore. Um, that's like a very classic way of, of naming your winery. Um, this winery is in Los Carneros. That is an AVA. An AVA is American Viticultural Area. It basically means region. It could mean anything from tiny little town to a whole big wide region that encompasses lots of different areas. Actually, in this case, um, Los Carneros is a pretty big AVA. It covers uh, vines both in Sonoma and Napa in California. So pretty famous winemaking region. Um, it's also a very cool area. It's kind of neat. They get a a lot of the the breeze and the fog off the Pacific Ocean and it keeps everything there a little bit cooler so what you're going to notice in the wines from this region particularly this one we're going to drink is they get a lot more nuanced than some wines that come out of California that are a little bit warmer in general they have you know hotter days and they don't cool down as much at night it allows those cooler temperatures allow the wine to develop kind of unique flavors um, that if it was just hot you wouldn't get um this wine is made in i believe it's 25 percent new french oak what that means is you're going to get some of that beautiful like vanilla flavor on the palate but not so much so that you can't taste any of the fruit of the wine um i think french oak is my favorite and chardonnay because chardonnay is a tricky grape to grow it's really sensitive to temperature it's really sensitive to what kind of soil it's in um they also utilize a, a method of wine growing that has to do with like kind of depriving the grapes a little bit meaning it makes the vines work harder and the grapes get even more delicious because of that because the vines are trying to survive um, and it's also very sensitive to oak flavors. So they're very smart. They're just using a 25% of their wine gets, gets uh, contact with oak. So you'll notice it, but it won't be overpowering. Um, so if you have enough room in your glass, give it a little swirl, get a little bit of air in there. Wine um, in the short term really likes oxygen. I always say oxygen is like um, an extremely volatile relationship for wine. It can be really, really good or really, really bad, depending on how much oxygen there is and for how long. So give it a little swirl, get a little bit of air in there, and then give it a good sniff. Well, with wine tasting, start with the nose. You might notice different things on the nose than on the palate. Um, yeah, you get that beautiful like butter sense. For those of you who are just listening and not watching, I'm really sorry. This is going to be a really hard part for you because all I want to do is drink this wine. <laughs> I'm waiting uh, patiently. <laughs> I know. You are doing such a good job. I can't believe you haven't had a sip of this. I'm just sitting here listening like, to me. Come on, Kate. Jammer. I know. Get, You're right. It. You know what? You're absolutely right. That's enough. Give it a, give it a drink. Taste hey, it. Give it a swirl. If you want to do that really nerdy, like sommeliers uh, slurping thing, I say go for it. You're in your own home. No one's going to know if you dribble wine all over your face. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, that's so pretty. It's pretty. There is a, there's a beautiful vanilla note on there. A lot of nice pears. Um, and even like some, I feel like there's some good apple in there, but it's not like that super acidic apple. It's like that good. That's where like, I was. I was on the apple side, but I'm, yeah, I'm going to go nice. back for the vanilla. I'm going to go back for the vanilla this time. It literally smells like when I made cookies last week and I accidentally put too much vanilla in the cookies, which worked out great, by the way. Don't worry. The cookies are fine. Sure. Um, I don't want anyone to be afraid of, of my cookies. Um, it's got that like gorgeous, like baking vanilla on there. You get that? Uh-huh. <laughs> this is a tricky one. This is one you want to drink very quickly. Like, yes, it's, she goes down easy. She goes down very smooth, very easy. She's light on the tongue, but flavorful. And tricky, tricky. This is a 14% alcohol wine. Like for perspective, wine ranges like a dry wine is like 11% to 15 and we're at 14.2 on the bottle. So like somewhere in the 14, 14.5 range of alcohol. So like, she goes down easy and then she's gonna take you down with her. She's like, and <laughs> come on. Daniel, come back and please also feel free to keep drinking as you go, but I'm gonna ask you more questions now. I probably shouldn't. Um, I should I should listen. Because you're gonna you know, so then I was and then let me tell you this one story. I think like, that's what everyone wants, actually. I think that's I, I know what we're all they do. aiming for you're, here. You're not getting me. <laughs> not yet. Um talk to me, talk to me about the day the Tony nominations came out. Talk to me about that feeling. There's the, there are all these things that I know that I would have been doing had we been up and running, you know, mm -hmm. which, you know, the brunches and the things and the things and the things and in the press junkets. And I didn't have any of that, I had none of that. I actually had a, a, <laughs> had a friend beat me up in tap dance. Like, you know, I had, I had an, an hour, an hour session scheduled at 1 p.m. I was like, I can't think about this. I got a tap dance. Um, no and paint on this one, though. No paint on this one. This is just, <laughs> just, just in shoes. And the love that I got from people who I didn't know, you know, people I didn't expect necessarily expect to hear from, like I could, I had the time and space to actually feel it and receive it. And, you know, it, it kind of knocked me out. It, it almost overshadowed the Tony nomination itself was mm -hmm. just the support that came in, you know, um, because I, you know, I'm an ensemble guy. This is my first principal contract. I've been in nine Broadway shows. This is my first principal, principal contract. I'm, I'm the ensemble guy. I'm the swing. You know, I'm, I'm that guy as far as Broadway is concerned. And, you know, so to have that also, to, rep to represent that, honestly, for me, it's just kind of like, you know, there are those of us who have made our careers in the back. And, and, I, and happily, you know, you can call it the back. I remember the TV show Smash tried to, make us feel bad about ourselves. I was like, I'm not gonna feel bad about being an ensemble smash. Good try, I'm not gonna do it. Um, <laughs> but you know, it was it was one of those like, I don't wanna say like I had arrived because I've been here since 2006, but it, it definitely felt, I could feel seen in a way that I hadn't necessarily felt that I had been seen. And I felt yeah. that I could, by seeing me, you could also see everybody else who's back here like there was one time in rehearsal for tina i showed up in rehearsal and um stage manager was like why are you here i was like it says full ensemble and they're like daniel you're not in you're not in full ensemble and i was like full company full company i come to full ensemble i don't come to that she's like correct i was like i'll see y'all later i'm gonna go um, get lunch i'll go get i'll go <laughs> you know it was just like that's just you know, that's mm -hmm. my, that's what my life has been. So yeah, it was, I could, it, I had the, I had the opportunity to really feel it. 
Um, so for our second wine today, everyone, the Evening Land Seven Springs Pinot Noir. I'm going to bring the bottle over too, just because it feels like the right thing to do. Again, even though you all have it. Another stunning label also. All three of these wines that we have tonight have really done a lovely job of labeling. None of them are particularly overwhelming, which I love because I get distracted by colors and shiny things on labels and then I don't know what I'm buying. So I love that these are not that. <laughs> um, so this is a Pinot Noir from Oregon. So we've gone a little bit outside of California for this particular wine. Don't worry, we're going to come back. Um, Aola Amity Hills, AVA. That is a pretty large region. It's within the Willamette Valley, AVA. So like a, like a region within a region, right? Um, it's a little bit southwest of Portland, if you know Oregon well, which since we were talking about it earlier, I feel like that's useful to talk about. Um, kind of a neat thing. So the Seven Springs... Uh, vineyard where the grapes are grown actually dates back to 1984. So this winery purchased this particular vineyard and they now uh, run it. Evening Land now takes care of it. But these grapes are very old vines. This, this winery has been around a long time, um, which is kind of neat because a lot of it's, it's very challenging to take care of old vines, particularly in the U.S. where we're still sort of developing our wine face and, and our particular personality in each region. So it's kind of neat that these are old vine grapes. Um, Evening Land is uh, founded in 1996 by uh, Rajat Parr and Sashi Mormon, two very predominant, like very prominent figures in the winemaking community. We're going to come back to them in a second. Um, a cool thing about this wine is actually a natural wine or relatively natural. I'll say natural with a lowercase n for anyone who has any history in natural wine. Um, what that means is it's certified biodynamic. Think of biodynamic as organic plus. So it's a very strict way of farming and making wine with very little chemical intervention. I am a huge supporter of that because as Broadway people, we worry so much about what we put in our bodies chemically and try to eat well. And um, then we go drink two buck chuck, which is full of cyanide. So I love a natural wine that doesn't have all that stuff in there. Oopsies. I totally just bashed two buck chuck. I hope that's, I'm, I'm definitely right. fired. Um, <laughs> this is um, not two buck chuck. Uh, no, no. I mean, everybody needs a two buck chuck at one point in their lives, but sure, I'm very happy yes. to say it was a long time ago for me. Yes. Um, this wine is also dry farmed, which means that there is no irrigation. They're allowing the vines to gain only water from the sort of natural elements. Um, that's an environmental practice. It also kind of touches back on what I said about the Chardonnay, which is it forces the vines to struggle a little bit. Um, that means that the grapes that the vines produce are a little bit more flavorful and a little bit more interesting than if they didn't have to worry and they got tons of water and then they were just like happy, mediocre grapes. Um, I'm sure there's something to be said about humanity in there, but I'm not going to was Literally, I was just like, I was like, are you? <laughs> okay. So, Something okay. to be said about that. Um, Pinot Noir is one of the most stunning grapes that I think in the wine community, it's highly regarded as uh, a very delicate grape. Also very hard to grow. It's beautiful in Oregon. I'm going to stop talking. Please enjoy this wine. Um, I already know that it's beautiful because I had some earlier. So I'm Same. just going to stop talking. Same. Mm. Oh, it's so good. There's a pepper in here that I like. Yes, thank you, Pepper. A what a great wine note. Absolutely. It's a cool, like, they do a lovely, there's a chair, a lovely, like, dark cherry on this mm -hmm. that I love. Yes. Um, but there is that, like, almost like a cracked white pepper in the back. It's not so aggressive that it's, like, spicy, spicy, but right. it it's just definitely there. Absolutely. Just in the back. And there's this, so one of the things that sort of uh, Hallmark 
wine quality about Pinot Noir is, <laughs> go with me here, wet leaves. Yes, that's a good thing. We like wet leaves on Pinot Noir. Um, in the U.S., we don't get quite as much of it, um, but we do have uh, elements of it when it's grown in cooler climates, which Oregon is. If you have a, a Pinot from California, you may not really find it, but you'll definitely clock it in this if you if you go looking for it. It's kind of at the back and it's a little bit delicate. So that's, um, oh my gosh, it's such a stunning wine. Please enjoy that the rest of the way. I would love now as we transition and I move my bottle so that I have space for the 17 wine glasses I'm accumulating on this table. Um, I would love now to uh, add into our little community our next special guest, Miss Elizabeth Stanley. Um, Elizabeth has starred in five Broadway shows, including originating roles in Crybaby and Million Dollar Quartet. She's nominated for a Tony Award this year for her performance as Mary Jane Healy in Jagged Little Pill. She has multiple on-screen credits, including Fringe and Black Box. I personally fell in love with her comedic skills when she played April in the absolutely stunning revival of Company, opposite of Raul Esparza. Elizabeth, welcome. Please come join us. Come Hello. and drink with us. So Hello. nice to be here. Hi, everyone. In her beautiful apartment that's so festively decorated. I love oh. your tree behind you. Hey, girl. It's not taking <laughs> any water, though. So I was like, we're going to have a, a crunchy, crackly, crispity Christmas. You know, those. You, you may have a, a fire pit there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Elizabeth, where are you joining us from? I am also from the uppers of Manhattan. Excellent. Excellent. As far upper as Washington Heights or the actual upper Manhattan that no, I just I'm, I'm a term. little below Washington Heights, but excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you been here the whole time? No, I, we, my fiance and I spent part of the time in Colorado. There's a theater there where I had done summer stock when I was in college 20 years ago. And, um, I just reached out. I was like, I need space. I need to get out, you know? And so I was like, I know you don't have a summer season. What's going on with your company housing? And, um, and they were like, we were kind of thinking of trying to form a, you know, a safe artist colony. So it was kind of this awesome Thanks. So we were out there. I did some backpacking, you know, I, I'm with you, Daniel, like Portland, just, you know, I just think I, you know, Joni Mitchell said, you got to get back to the garden. And I think, yep. yeah, you do. Having that green space, especially when yeah. we live here in the urban jungle where, you know, finding a tree is like seeing something unique and special Very every special. day. Our, our woodland creatures are rabid squirrels. And we're so excited when we get to see one in the wild, which is, you know, on, 118th street um, or in the subway, <laughs> or in the, subway. the pizza rat there's a reason the pizza rat was so famous here in new york city um <laughs> talk to me a little bit about how you've been using your creativity i don't like the question of like how are you maintaining your creative spirit because you don't need to maintain it it just is but <sighs> what are you using it with these days i mean I am making things, but I will say I also am, am feel like I'll just admit like it is not the most creative spell for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think a lot of us feel the pressure to be like, I did this amazing thing during this time. And um, I feel a little stressed during this time. It has not been the most um, inspired moment for me. But um, sure. like Daniel, I'm always like doing stuff. Uh, always. Know? I was like, she's doing stuff. <laughs> Doing <laughs> but I've been doing a lot of recording projects for people. Um, so I have been doing a lot of singing and, um, 
that's been kind of fun figuring out, you know, doing that through different mediums and, and honing sort of my digital skills. And, mm-hmm. um, I got really into like tie dyeing and dyeing fabrics and, and sewing and making stuff with textiles in the beginning of the pandemic. So oh, cool! Uh, that was a spell, you know, that was a chapter in this time. <laughs> there have been so many, haven't there? They're like so our phases chapters. of yeah. remember Tiger King. That was a whole phase that we all like. Wow, talked Carol about Baskin. that crazy. Carol. Yeah, Carol Baskin. <laughs> Derek, Derek Baskin's mother's oh. name is Carol Baskin. No. Yeah, so it's this weird like. Ah! <laughs> That's gonna be hard for him, I think. <laughs> oh, he hates it. He's like everybody. Everybody, calm down. Oh, back off. Yeah. Back off. <laughs> um, Elizabeth, tell me, tell me a little bit about your experience with what it felt like the day the nominations came out. What was your story? Where were you? How did you process all that information? Oh man. Uh, yeah, I was on a hike in Colorado. So I was kind of, I didn't have signal and I knew that was going to happen. And I was kind of like, should I not go on this hike that we'd been planning, you know, for weeks. And then I was like, nah, like it's just going to be delayed by a couple hours and it's either going to be like disappointing or awesome now or in two hours. So, you know, what's the point? Um, but I was kind of like waiting for signal in a not very Zen nature way. Um, you know, as, as we got back towards the end of the hike. Um, yeah. And you know, it was interesting. I, I feel Daniel and I PS go way back. We did summer stock together, like back in the day, years ago. like when we were in college. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I'm with you on that. It's, you know, you want to be like, Oh, I don't care awards or, you know, how can you compare art? And I think, I still do think how can you compare art? Like, but um, you want to be recognized, you know, you do want to like go to that party. Um, so I feel really, really so humbled and so grateful and, you know, to be in such incredible company with, with everybody that's in this season always. Um, yeah. And I, you know, it, I think like, I imagined I would be like, yeah, you know, like having some bit and instead I was really internal and very like still um, and just like, yeah, trying not to cry. Like it was just so, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine, I mean, I think that exp- I, I haven't had that experience, but I imagine it to be powerful Yet. on any day, Yet. but I would imagine that particularly this year with the circumstances of this year being what they are, that it's even more of a, of a sort of mo- a check-in li- moment in your life to have that and be on a mountain in Colorado while it's happening. <laughs> it's surreal. I mean, yeah, I haven't experienced it before, so I don't have anything with which to compare it, but I, I have to imagine this feels pretty different than it would feel other years. It's, um, you know, there's so much that is so much bigger than this. Um, yeah. Always. But I think that's yeah. really, you know, we're really seeing it this year. Um, Elizabeth, talk to us a little bit about your, your wine story. How did you come to have wine in your life? Is wine in your life? Talk to us a little bit about that. Wine is in my life, but I'm going to say I'm not a fancy person with my wine. Like you're going to, you're going to be like, I'm embarrassed for you, Elizabeth, but like I'm drinking out of a rocks glass because it's just, it's about, that's epic. It's about space for stemware. And that's just not something I have in my New York life. Listen, I always say a wine glass is a glass that you poured wine into. I have had a very lovely bottle of wine out of a plastic cup and from a hotel bathroom. It is not about the glassware. (laughs) It's not about fancy. It's about having a good experience with a wine with good, hopefully with good people. Yes. Yeah. That's what wine is for. 
So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I do love wine, but my, I mean, my, my origin story with wine, I guess, was, <laughs> uh, yeah, when I was in college, I went to school in, um, at Indiana University in Bloomington, and there's a winery there called Oliver Winery, and um, mm -hmm. it was a place we discovered was, like, super fun to go, and you could drink with ease out on the lawn with not being the right age. And um, so that was my first intro. And I mm -hmm. loved like what was called soft red, which was really grape juicy. Um, but I've moved on, you know, I've matured since then. I'm not quite that um, quite so bad anymore, but I love, I still like um, like Pinots. I like lighter bodied. That's as much as I know. <laughs> what do you think about this second wine? what do you think about the Pinot that we had tonight? I enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I like it. it's like, I'm I, like white wine. I can't get down with really. I mean, like, you know, I'll, I'll drink, like if someone's like, here, have some wine. I'll be like, thank you. But I probably wouldn't buy it for me. I'm sure. just being honest, everyone. There you have it. I think, I think a lot of people feel <laughs> that way. Actually. I think white wine is one of those things that, that you have to like have enough of it to understand it. And then if you've had enough of it, then you already understood it. It's a little bit of like a cyclical thing. I'm going to sneak out because if you, if you don't already know, Jagged is doing a big live concert we on do, the 13th yes. <laughs> and we just had our first rehearsal today. And let me tell you, I have to do some work. So <laughs> I <laughs> well, wish that I were just going to get wasted that. on this bottle, but there's some, there's some remembering to be done. <laughs> well, we look forward to hearing you on that as well. We can't yes, wait we to do. hear that. Thank you so, so much, Elizabeth. Truly, we're so grateful. Thank you. Yeah, so have a good night. You. Both of you. Bye. Take Bye. care. Bye. Now, Daniel, you're yes. stuck with me because we have another wine and we, we have do. to drink it. What's funny <laughs> is that second one hit me. I was like, I'm hit. Um, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the I'll conversation that's happening in our community, in the Broadway community, about yes. equity and representation, because sure. you have been such a prominent figure in this conversation, which is a, an incredible responsibility, but also you've done it with such grace. And so I would love to hear your voice on that and, and, and have, a, have a minute where we get to acknowledge that conversation that we're having right now. Sure. Um, I don't know what to say. <laughs> on the spot. Uh, I, think, I think mostly I'm interested in how you perceive the Broadway community to be opening their eyes to it. And, you know, there's a hmm. lot of conversation in how that's happening. And sure. I think everybody's aware that, that there needs to be more of it, that there will continue to be more of it. I think you kind of already hinted at this earlier by saying it's hard to sort of identify right this minute right. what we're going to do because we're on pause and we're going to have to wait until it's time for us to resume. But I would, I would love to sort of hear your, your thoughts. It's funny. Broadway is... There's factions, and what I mean by that is there are, there is Broadway the entity, right? The umbrella mm -hmm. thing, which for all intents and purposes is a commercial entity. Yes, a marketing Period. term, if you will. Marketing <laughs> term, if you will, right? So there, there is the way that things have been done and the way they've always been. And even to say that Broadway is an elitist uh, entity also, is not to say that in a bashing way, but it costs to Absolutely. appreciate, to be able to appreciate Broadway in the way of like experiencing it on a regular basis. It costs money. You know, if you don't live in the greater New York area, it's a thing people save up to do, right? Yes. I'm going to save up to, and I'm only going to be able to see X amount of shows, you know, especially if it's me and my partner and potentially our and your two family. kids, yeah. you know, 
And then there's a the whole question, okay, well, what am I gonna go see? I don't, because it's an investment, I have to spend my money on something and I wanna make sure that I get the most for my, my money. So I'm probably going to go with the thing that I know more so than taking a chance on some new thing. Absolutely. There's all these things are being taken into consideration, right? And it's easy on this side of the table to feel like, oh, none of these things, like, no, I have to make money, period. It's what it is. It's not, it's not, this isn't for fun. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't a thing. So it's people a business, can, yeah. It's a business. It's a business. So remembering that it's a business, then you, then you start the conversation from there. Okay, business thing, right? Um, I have to remember, I asked to come play ball in the business's playground. Hmm. Business didn't call me. Business was like, hey, Daniel, we'd love to have you over here on Broadway. What do you think? I was like, hey, Broadway, can I come play, right? Hmm. And then I got here and I was like, mm, your game is a little funny. I don't like all your rules. I think they should be different, <laughs> you know? And that, that takes a second. The issue is that sometimes Broadway likes to say the rules are one thing and then they are something totally different. And that's what we're reconciling with right now, which is like, okay, we have a, now that we're here, <laughs> we have a decision to make. We can either be who we say we are Broadway, which is a, we present a much more inclusive, you know, mm -hmm. much more equal. I'm not even going to use the word divide. Sure. We present a much more equal entity than we actually are. So we're either going to start making the moves to become that equal entity, or we're going to continue being who we are and we'll just admit that that's for me that's what i want for my money it's like just this is what it's been honor that hold it <laughs> hold it sit with it for a set reflect on it now if you want to be different be different you know but notice that it, it's as we're saying you know so it's a change you know i'm giving you the note <laughs> this is the change this is the change this is this is a change. This, I know Absolutely. what you've been doing every day. You've been going to eight every day and then backing up. Now I'm telling you to go to four and then walk downstage. It's a change. Yeah. And you are you up to the challenge of changing? And if you I'm aren't, then and if Broadway isn't, then there are, a lot of us have a decision that we have to make. Can we continue supporting and being in an institution that has decided to maintain its stance? And I think, I believe, I believe in Broadway. I believe in what, I believe in, I, I believe in what Broadway has done and continues to do. Um, uh, it's, but it is, it is time for a lot of reconsideration. And the only way that could really happen is that things are shut down in the way they are. Because to try to do it while things are in motion, it's, it's virtually impossible. So it's the blessing with the curse, right? That this, this time has given us so much opportunity to reflect on who we are and what we want to be mm -hmm. and what we have been. And, and you're absolutely right. In no mm -hmm. world during a regular season of running and, and everything that goes into keeping a Broadway show up and running, would there ever have been time for anyone in this entire community, no matter if you're a producer, a director, a actor, a stagehand, for us to have that sort of self-reckoning about what we wanted to be and what we were and mm -hmm. what we can be and yeah. it is because we have had this quiet time that we get to have that the luxury of making that decision like you said i think you say it so beautifully when it's like it's a question of are we going to be what we have been or are we going to be what we say we are right. and that remains to be seen and we will find out as we go forward and it won't be a clean clear beautiful process that's that's what movies are not, not right. real life exactly but, not real life yeah you know absolutely it's this, you know, I, I, I don't hate to use the term, but, you know, in this time of, unfortunately, I'm going to use the word death, 
in this time of immense death, I think what we're all reconciling is that. And that's death is a, you know, a concrete thing and an abstract thing. We're dealing with losses of life, but we're also dealing with the losses of the things that we were holding on to because we thought they were keeping us alive or the things that we were scared to let go of because we didn't know how to identify without this thing. Absolutely. Things must die. Things must fall away. This is just, it's, it's part of nature does it every year, right? It's like, we try to fight this thing that nature is telling us no. <laughs> yeah. You, well, you there's didn't... only so much energy in the world, right? So something has to go for something else to be created. There has to be room in the room. <laughs> there has to be well done. Bro. Room in the room. <laughs> oh, Kate rocks. Katie rocks is getting the, come on. There has to be room in the room. I'll give you credit. Well, um, thank you. Thank you. No, well, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's that I, again, I believe, I believe in humanity, even though sometimes yeah. I don't think I should, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> I We're do. flawed. Humanity is flawed, but that doesn't mean that they don't want the best. And at the end of the day, if the arts community can't find a way to do it, then you know, how can we expect anybody else? There's no hope for anybody if we can't do it. You know, that's exactly. where it's, it's our job to hold up the mirror and go and be the, you know, oftentimes be the example, even though we're wrestling with it more than anybody, Absolutely. you know. But that's so, the humanity of it too and the humanity of the artists too. Yeah, absolutely. I believe in us. I believe in us. Beautiful. Well, that's a non-seamless transition to let's drink more wine, I think. If that's I think you know, I was like, so let's drink on, it. on that note. On that note. Let's, let's, more. let's have a drink. And you know what? Honestly, let's talk about... Let's go, we, well, I found the... Hang on. I found it. I found the transition. So let's go to our third wine, the Ghost Light. <laughs> beautiful Ghost Light, which is a stunning wine. Um, I will do like, I'll do this much about wine and then I'll actually talk about the label because it's important. This bottling was made exclusively for Broadway Wine Club, um, identified as Ghost Light to provide light and a time of darkness, right? So the Broadway community, all of our shows are dark, but the community is still alive and lit and we have hope in, in the darkness for the future of our community. This is the 2013 Crocker and Star Ghost Light Cab Syrah Blend. She is a monster. If you um, happen to open my, my notes in the email that I believe you all received this morning, I said, open it early. If you can, decant it. And I will, I will fess up that I have mine here in my decanter and I opened this about five hours ago. Um, she is a big, beautiful California wine. This is like California wine at its at its most pinnacle, right? This is what we, we love so much about California wines. Um, it is 60% Cabernet Sauvignon, 40% Syrah. Uh, this winery is in St. Helena, which is in Napa, Napa proper this time. So um, a little bit, just a, not far away at all, but by any means from where our Chardonnay was, but uh, shifted all the way into Napa proper, the most famous wine region, arguably, in the United States. This land uh, that this winery is on dates back to the 1870s, actually. So they were making wine in the 1870s and then got shut down uh, during Prohibition. We ruined everything in Prohibition here in the U.S. Um, in 1971, Charlie Crocker of Crocker and Star purchased this property. And then in 1997, Pam Starr kind of came in, partnered with Charlie and converted all of their uh, farming to organic practices. So this is an organic wine. They do not certify, they, they don't have an organic certification. Um, that costs money. But they are organic in practice, and that's what really we, we, we care a lot more about the practice than about the stamp on the label. Um, this wine does see quite a bit of oak. Um, it needs it. This is a, what did I, I didn't write it down because it was so high I got nervous, 14.5. 
alcohol on this wine. So be, be warned going in. This is not going to be like the shard where you don't notice it. You are going to feel that alcohol on the front. Um, and it has a stunning like cigar box. It smells like you stick your nose into a cigar yeah. box when you smell it. Like right off the bat, there's that tobacco, oh, there's job. that vanilla. Yeah, 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 right? Isn't that good so beautiful? Yeah. That's from that oak that they're keeping this wine in and, and aging the wine in. And again, 2013, this is a seven-year-old wine, right? So the vintage on the bottle dates to when they picked the grapes and they've been holding on to it till now. So it's been sitting in uh, an oak barrel for seven years aging until they decided it was time to release. So please, everyone, cheers, our final wine. Can you tell me about decanting? Mm-hmm. I don't know anything. Sorry. Why, well, yes, Daniel, I, I can. There's nothing to do with the Thank sipping. You. Sorry. No, I'd love to talk about decanting. It's um, it's a a really cool tool in one. Oh. Wait, where's mine? And I don't have a fancy one. Um, this is, is so from good. Target, so it's not Perfect. an expensive tool by any means. Perfect. Um, but it sure looks pretty, doesn't it? So a decanter can really be anything. It's ultimately a vessel that you can pour your wine into that allows the wine, more of the wine, to come into contact with oxygen faster. So when we swirl our wine, be it in a glass or be it in yes. a decanter, um, I don't recommend swirling in the bottle. It will go everywhere. I have tried. Don't do it. Um, it basically allows more oxygen to sort of infiltrate into the wine. And a wine that has a high amount of alcohol, like this one, or a wine with a lot of tannin, which this mm -hmm. also has. Tannin is that feeling that makes your teeth feel like you put sweaters on them, yep. that teeth sweater feeling. So great. Um, it's an enzyme in grape skins, uh, particularly red wine, you'll notice it more because it has more contact with the skins in the winemaking process. Um, those wines are, are very, uh, they benefit, let's say, from a lot of oxygen. In the wine world, we would call this like beating up the wine because I'm literally torturing this wine, right? I'm just swirling it so aggressively. And the more that you do that, or the longer it sort of sits in that decanter, the more oxygen it's going to get. It will soften the tannins. It will, it will sort of even out that sense of, of alcohol that you sort of get right off the nose. Mine's been open for a long time today. And I still, when I breathe it in, I'm like, ooh, that smells like I should drink this slowly or at least with food. Um, and that's sure. something that can benefit if you put it in a decanter. Also, a decanter can be literally anything that's open. I have used a water pitcher. I am not a fancy wine drinker, you guys. I am like uh, all about like make the beverage as good as possible with the, with the company. So if you have a fancy one, cool. If you have like a thing you make iced tea in that's cleaned out and you want to dump it in there and then dump it back in the bottle to make it look pretty, that's great. That will allow all of that oxygen to get in touch with the wine. Actually, you're double decanting it when you do that. So it gives it gives it two chances to come in contact with oxygen. Are you decanting to taste or are you decanting? You understand what I'm asking? Like, oh, I decanted that too long. I should decant it less next time. Um, I don't, I personally would not say that. I think for me, it's about uh, there. If I left it in there for three days, that would be too long. Um, right. because then you're going to get to a place where the oxygen starts to turn the wine. That's the mm -hmm. trick about oxygen and wine, right? When you get to too much of it, it does affect the flavor of the wine and it will ultimately right. spoil the wine, which is why if you leave a bottle sitting on your counter for three days, it won't <laughs> taste very good. No. Just drink it all. Um, but I will say that if you do choose to decant it and you give it a couple of hours ahead of time, you won't notice a too far. I think most of the time it really is only a benefit and, and very rarely a detraction. Got it but just don't leave it overnight. <laughs> sure, understood. 
<laughs> China's what I've been decanting it for days, you know? <laughs> yeah, that, I will say so. that that would um, ultimately not be great. Although with this one, you could probably leave this wine on the counter for a day and it would probably still taste pretty good. This broad okay. is, <laughs> this is a broad. He's a monster. And I, and I mean this, this is a broad. This is a broad. I don't mean that in any kind of misogynistic way. I mean, this is a, this woman. This is the Ethel Merman of wine. Yes. Is what this is. Yes. He stands it. flat-footed, barefooted, sings to the raptors. She need a microphone. No mic. <laughs> No mic is needed. She don't need this. Exactly. She don't need no mic. <laughs> That's such a good analogy for this wine, is, especially no in this mic. company. That's so wonderful. Um, so, Daniel, do you, this is a quiz that I didn't prepare you for. Okay. Um, do you know the history of ghost lights? Do you know what the lore is around a ghost light? I don't know what I like to think it is. Tell, to, so, this, tell me what you think it is. I think it is to keep the spirits away and protect the, keep the space sacred but also allow them to come and and play if they want to, right? Yeah. Isn't it both? Yeah. No, absolutely. So what? So that's what I always knew as well, is that sure. the, you keep a ghost light lit because it keeps the ghosts of previous productions from haunting your production. It gives them their space on stage and they don't get angry and they don't take out their ghost their ghost madness on your show. Sure. Um, I will also say that in doing some research into the ghost light, which I've never done, I've been doing theater for 15 years and I've never looked into it until sure. I started working with Broadway Wine Club, is that it act, there's a lot of really interesting lore around it. So there's um, one version that says that ghost lights were created for safety. So obviously having a dark stage and a pit at night is a terrible idea. Sure. And there's a, there's a legend that someone came in to try to rob a theater this is in England, not in the US. And they came in to rob a theater and they fell into the pit because they didn't see the edge of the stage and then sued the company, sued the company. and won. Mm -hmm. So that's another legend out there that, that exists hmm. around the ghost light. And then probably the truest uh, piece of research that I found is that it was used as a way of alleviating pressure in the gas valves when they had gas lighting. Back uh -huh. in the old days when the lights at the front of the stage, the footlights were literally lit by gas. Well, that yep. gas pressure has to go somewhere when it's not burning. And so the ghost light was used to alleviate the pressure from the gas system overnight while the show wasn't, wasn't running. The I like that. Out. I like yeah. that. Yeah, I feel like that's like the most logical reason we had a ghost light, but I honestly, I'm still gonna tell people it's ghosts. Absolutely, oh, totally, totally for ghosts. No, it's for, it's for ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> it's, for, it's for when we pass and we want to, in, yeah, know, I'm gonna need somewhere to go. So I need I'm gonna go. To go. Yeah, I'm gonna need a theater to haunt I need when to I'm done. Find me a ghost light theater. Right. Um, I want to ask this question to you. Uh, this is coming from Nicole McLeod. I'm not gonna ask it. Excuse me. I'm gonna let Nicole ask it herself. Come on, Nicole. Um, but I would love to let Nicole ask you this question. She wants to ask you about dream roles. Yeah. Hi. Um, so first, thank you so much. This is so fun. I'm a huge Broadway fan. I don't know if you can see my Hamilton poster behind me in the mirror. Uh, this is my office, and I just. Really oh man, you froze for a second. Do you see something? I don't see it. Do you see it? I can. I don't think it's that there. It is. I, I'm it's pointing like. Really like yep. Ah, there like, we go. Yep. I got right you. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, it's like behind me, reflected. Yeah, it's actually right there. Um, but yeah, and I was a theater major, and it's just really my big passion in my life. And so this is so Dope. cool and such an awesome experience. Thanks um, for being here. Just curious. Yeah, no, I, I just, I was curious, like, if, for, for you and Kate, actually, like, what would be your dream role? If you could take any role, it could be a show on Broadway now, it could be a show from 30 years ago, what would be your dream role on Broadway? Kate, Kate, you got it. You want me to go first? I, I, mine has always been and continues to be until someone lets me do it. Trina in falsettos. That is an absolute dream of mine. And I am still, I'm trying really desperately to play old enough to actually not have graduated from high school. 
I hope that by the time I ever age into someone with a, college, a high school or college degree that maybe I'll get a chance to play it. <laughs> nice. I, oh, that's a good one. I've, it changed. Like for the years, it was black in the lipper version of Wild Party. Like yeah. it was just... Oh, yeah. I would watch that in a heartbeat. Oh, because I want to see it also. I have no, no, I saw the one that they did at, Mm -hmm. but I want to see a full production. I want to see all the stuff. Yeah, the Um, the sets, all the fancy stuff. Right. The other, like, you know, the very artsy actor was like, it hasn't been written yet. You know, like, you know, the dream role hasn't been written yet. I haven't, it doesn't exist yet. But um, what, what else? No, you know what? I really want to play. And actually did it in a reading, but I want to play James Baldwin. Like I want to sit, I want to sit with James Baldwin, like sit yeah. with him. And like, but I did a reading, I did a reading literally a month ago. So like they kind of like wet the whistle oh. and now, now I'm kind of like, I want to like get into it. Cause he's just my guy. That's a great answer. That, that would be so fun to see. What are we doing? Ar- Armand, what are we doing falsettos? What's going on? Are we, what's happening with, what's happening with, <laughs> what's happening with the, the revival? With the next revival. Well, Arvin on the spot. We'll get him to. We'll get him to produce our our the next revival of Falsettos. Right. Exactly. I mean, no. Yes, but also now I just want to write James Baldwin for you. That's clearly what I want to do. Well, please, no. please, I will not stop you. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole, thank you, thank you so much. Such thank a great you. question. Um, I have a next one. Next question I have is from Hillary Huttenhauer. Huttenhauer. Yes. I hope I said that right. Please forgive me, Hillary. If I did not, here she comes. How'd I do? Hi, yes, you got it right. Thank you. Oh, good. <laughs> I secretly wanted you to get it wrong. I'm sorry. That's terrible. Oh, no, I, I'm, I'm sure I butchered plenty of names. I wanted it to be it. like so far away from like, hu ha, he need Like, you know, just no No, no, it's pronounced just how it's spelled. It just looks way more complicated than it is. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. How you doing? What's your question, Hillary? Oh, so mine was aimed at you since you went through the whole explanation about decanting. I wondered what your thought was about aeration versus decanting in wines. I, so an aerator is uh, basically a tiny little decanter that operates very quickly and sort of, you can basically pour your wine through an aerator into your glass. So it does a lot of the same things for the wine that decanting does, but faster. Um, I, I own, I have, I have two aerators actually, because fancy. one lives in my house and one comes with me whenever I travel. Obviously I have a travel <laughs> oh, aerator. Fancy. I just drink I a lot of wine. <laughs> not an aerator yet. <laughs> yes, it is a ridiculous thing to travel. It's like my, my, my one thing that everyone's like, what's the weirdest thing that you take with you when you go on tour? And it's definitely that. Um, I love my aerator. I think it's great. I think especially if you're only going to have a glass of wine or maybe two, it's a useful thing to have because there's no need to decant an entire bottle if you're just drinking a glass, you know, casually. Um, I will say for a wine as big as this one that we're drinking, this Ghost Light, I don't think it's going to have the same benefit. It does, uh, I would say it does 50% of the work for you. It's not going to do all of it. Um, If you did that, I would say aerate a wine like this, I would say aerate it twice if you could, you know, pour it into your glass, pour it into another glass through the aerator two times. That's hard. That's a lot of work. It's up to you if you felt like really committing to the aeration process. I do think that for big wines like this, the decanter is ultimately going to benefit you and decanting the whole bottle. And then if you wanted to pour it back at the end of the evening, if you didn't have wine left over, it will absolutely, a wine like this will sit very comfortably after decanting um, in bottle with a cork in it for several days. So I wouldn't, I, I would still err on the side of decanting if you have that as an option. 
Um, I, everyone in the everyone in the chat is laughing at me about the idea of having one glass of wine. I'm trying to be very political here. I'm pretending that I understand what that's like. I I have. I have one time in my life had one glass of wine. Um, but that's my that's my sort of feedback. And I know that a lot of people really love their aerators because of the accessibility and they're so much easier to use and, and to kind of take with you or, or have and then the cancer takes up much less space. And they do work. They're great. They just won't do quite as much as giving the whole bottle time to time to breathe. Hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. I want to do one more question. Let's see, what do I have? Uh, Suzanne Gerber. I want there's, there's no way I would be able to have to be speaking as succinctly as you are about wine after <laughs> having this much wine. Like there's no way. <laughs> no way. You have to it takes a lot, it takes skill to drink this much and still be able to communicate. Um, like, hi Suzanne, how are you? Oh, she's muted. Um, Sean, can we unmute her? There we go. Oh, now I hear I you. We're trying to. Who am I? Hey, no, you're great. Hey. I hear you now. You Hi. Go. Welcome. Hi. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Wow. Good job. <laughs> hey, we're having a great time. Thank you so much. Excellent. We're, we're, we're on our virtual date in our sunroom. Oh, I love <laughs> that. Nice. I love a virtual date. <laughs> nice. Where are you guys? Connecticut. Oh, we're, we're in, may I ask we're in Connecticut? Canton. Oh, Just west of Hartford. Okay, I grew up in, in, I was actually born in Connecticut. I lived in Hartford for a couple years of my life before I moved to the Midwest. That's why I ask. It was, I was very little, but still. Um, Suzanne, what, uh, what have you paired with, our, with your wine tonight? <laughs> that would be my husband. He made me, I, I came home from work and he had our sunroom set up with a beautiful card table with a tablecloth and full dinner settings with all the wine decanted and Aww. dinner set with, a course for every meat, every wine. So that's incredible. Yes. Well done. That is like next level virtual date night too. That and like I wish I could call yeah. my husband in here and be like, um, are you listening to this? <laughs> hey, get this card table together. <laughs> because where is my three course wine pairing dinner with a card table and entertainment? Although I mean, we'll see about the quality of entertainment. But at least Daniel and, and Elizabeth are interesting. But that's incredible. <laughs> and what what is the final course, may I ask? To go with the so wine that we're tasting you, you now. You just did. You just did the right the little. Oh, yeah, the the steak frites. <laughs> yes. Right? Oh, you're not oh playing. Oh my gosh, and that looks like a beautifully cooked steak. Yes, if it I does. Do myself. Thank you. I grilled it about four hours ago, and, <laughs> and then just is... rewarmed it in the oven. Oh, that's done. And it, you managed to keep it that that. I mean, it looks like a nice medium nice rare. Pink which is my yeah, that pink in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely it's done. It looks like man. you guys are having quite man. the date night. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for spending Thanks date for night with us. us. Thanks for coming, yes. Absolutely. Cheers to you guys. Cheers. We'll do a real cheers on the on our cheers. camera, cheers. I suppose. Well, I, I have kept all of you here long, long past the time that you were supposed to be allowed to leave. So I will now, sadly, start the wrap-up process. Um, I want to say thank you so much to all of our members who have been here tonight with us. We are so grateful to have you at the Broadway Wine Club, to Daniel, to Elizabeth. Thank you so much for giving us your time and for Elizabeth who has abandoned us. But Daniel, you stuck with me to the end and I adore you for it. Um, I have one more little piece of information. I want to say how much we in the Broadway community are always so grateful for word of mouth. And in the Broadway Wine Club community, we have created the Ambassador Program.
program. Um, for a little bit more information, I'll let them tell you about it. They're better at it than I am. You can click on the link that's going into the chat right now to see about the ambassador program and find out how you can join. Um, and again, if you want to use that discount code that we talked about earlier, all of the wines are 10% off through the link that we have in the chat. Kate VIP, K-A-T-E-V-I-P. Ooh, it sounds fancy when you do it like that. It sounds like nice. a fun little song. Say it again. Um, but Just that do it will again. get you <laughs> K-A-T-E-V-I-P. It'll get you 10% off all of the bottles that we're tasting tonight if you are interested in buying some more of them. Thank you all so, so much for being here for our very first event. I had a blast. I have so much wine to drink. I hope that you all don't because it means you've drank it all by now. And thank you. We, we are so grateful to have you in the Broadway Wine Club community. And Daniel, one more time, cheers to you. Thank cheers. you for being here yes, with us. Yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to use the broad. Thank you so much for listening to Broadway Happy Hour, where there's no greater blend of wine and theater. I am your host, Kate Rockwell. It has been an absolute pleasure. And see you next time on Broadway Happy Hour. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.